three hours sleep and we're on a train of caffeine but we're all here hello Guido hi hello Diego hello how things been it's past now first of January the 7th of January when we broadcast the other episode uh, how's Christmas been Guido we were all very sick so uh, actually I was <laughs> not, a good, not a good start <laughs> no 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 but somehow uh, Christmas time is not the best uh, time of the year for me it's always really busy with the family and stuff and uh, really stressful. Oh, no. And because we have like our own children festivities, like uh, Sinterklaas, where we have presents, that's the 5th of December. Like Christmas isn't really a thing in the Netherlands, for me at least. Oh, really? Uh, that's a bit sad. My, from my culture, let's say, of, oh, we didn't have Christmas. <laughs> Why didn't you have yeah, Christmas? We have Christmas. We have Christmas trees and stuff. But for me, I don't have a lot of nostalgia about Christmas other than there is a Christmas tree and maybe the the Christian stuff like the the, the stable or what do you call it the the manger isn't it what's it called uh. <laughs> I don't know but <laughs> anyway uh, somehow it's it's not my best holiday and yeah and this time like my whole family was was sick except me so i was the nurse uh, <laughs> this christmas <laughs> i was nursing around everyone i, I don't and, want uh, to imagine you in a nurse costume <laughs> well don't you don't you want no 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 <laughs> oh okay well <laughs> <laughs> oh god I'm, well i'm sorry to hear that being sick um i've been sick myself as well and recently just got better uh, in fact yesterday so uh yeah we're, we're here christmas was good um yeah, I'm glad uh, we're we're fine now in uh, 2023, yeah. and uh, I'm happy uh, December is over. And I'm yeah. always happy December is over somehow. <laughs> it's uh, it's a hard month. Mm, personally, I think that you know when when you go from December to January, December is the last month. It's good, but then there's a long wait from December to I don't know March or April when this when this you know the the days get longer and it gets a bit warmer. So now it's really the crunch for me, and I. I'm not sure I enjoy it as much. Oh, really? It's only up now. It's only better. It's getting better now again. Yeah, it's getting better than it again. But it <laughs> takes time and it's flaming freezing here. It's minus five and I'm not going to say anything because it, it will compare really poorly to Finland where probably <laughs> it's snowing all the day, all day, every day. Yeah, I, I know that you're on really like cold weather. <laughs> so probably I, I, I have no idea how would you fare over here. But, but it's been pretty pretty warm, unusually warm as a matter of fact. But we got our usual share of snow, at least. So I, I don't mind it. And I just know that we have had the usual peak downwards in a month or so. That's when it, it will really, really hurt. It could be minus 20, minus 30 at the end of February. So yeah. now I'm enjoying the fact that we are only around zero or slightly below. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very weird. But after a few years, you live here, you you find yourself thinking that oh, it's only zero. Maybe I won't take the scarf, for example. <laughs> Something that uh, oh, I zero. would have I never imagined. 
when I was back in Italy because zero, it's, um, well, in Italy it's considered pretty cold. But here Indeed. it's like, eh. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I will probably only be in that uh, saunas everywhere in Finland if I live there. Well, I do sometimes uh, retreat into the sauna, even when it's off, just because it's the warmest place of the house always. And that's that kind of moment that uh, you really want to heat up a little bit. And and I think my some of my kids are, are learning to do the same. Sometimes I found they're there reading something or playing something with their mobile phone in the in the darkness of the sun oh, really can you bring your, your mobile phone to the sauna or or, yeah, well, or handheld or maybe gaming handheld? Well, no now, now i'm just thinking when the sauna is turned off then oh, it's, yeah, a, it's just off. a normal room then okay. it will but melt the, in your hand otherwise. yeah yeah you shouldn't really do it when it when you are actually having a sauna because then you you got 100 percent humidity so the moisture in the room will probably ruin your your device that's unfortunate. That's not recommended. <laughs> I'm a bit like concerned now. We've been, so for the listeners, we're doing this episode with some video switched on. And I just realized I can't pick my nose because <laughs> everyone can see me. <laughs> we um, won't say anything about it so on camera. You can pick your nose if you wish. We won't mind. Just don't get undressed or anything like that. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> don't take your shirt off. I think no. Uh, I think that's not a, a great idea. So, what we've been up to, guys, in this in this period? Um, don't know. In this last uh, week, well, we do first. Let's say because we haven't heard from you from a long time. So, what, what's your news? Uh, immediately after everybody was better, uh, I had time to do a stream again, and um, because I had played so many games last year, I think I beat like around hundred and five games last year. Yeah. That's that's a lot. <laughs> it and, is. Uh, I I am very 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 jealous? astonished at the amount of <laughs> games that you can play. I did. I think I did watch that stream. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, before you f just forget what you played. That's really easy. Uh, I thought make let's make a tier list of all the games. So give them a score of. Actually, my scores were a must play, great game, about average. Kind of meh. Did I play this or actually bad? And I um, put it in all those categories. And um, so I can, when I look back to this year, I can see what games I really liked and uh, what are games I, I, uh, I must remember about 2022. Yeah. Directly after that, I thought I also have a huge backlog of games. And I thought, let's also put them in tiers to yeah, categorize them on when to play them. So I've made categories uh, like play now, play soon, play eventually, or uh, play never. Play never. <laughs> That's why I own a game, to play never. Yeah, but sometimes you buy a game or you own a game and you don't know why. It's just like <laughs> you, 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 got, you got it for free or there's like a game you actually don't want to play. I, don't you ever have that? That you buy a game that you think... I, I actually don't want to play this. <laughs> I think you're right. So what happened to me when I was collecting games for the different platforms I used to buy, the, the first period of one month or two months, I started that, I bought everything. And then I realized, mm, I'm never going to play FIFA 96 or that sort of stuff, <laughs> the shelf fillers. Uh, and then I decided to to just get the games that I was actually going to play, which I haven't yet, but I will one day when I in another life, I guess. But I will try my best to get there. So that that's my my way of buying games that I'm never going to play. Yeah, but yeah. So it, 
it's good to categorize your backlog uh, like that, I think, because you can now when I think, okay, I want to play a new game, then I'll just look at that list and see like, oh, these are games I actually want to play. <laughs> and so I don't forget, sometimes there are really good games you always wanted to play and they just are somewhere in your backlog and you always forget about it that you actually wanted to play it. Yeah. So it's really good to make sort of plan of what you're going to play. Yeah, you're very organized. I mean, first of all, I just wanted to mention, I really like the category meh because that is the best category, but <laughs> I really like how you're organized and you just move the games from one tier to another. I mean, it's a, it's a good way to do like, I mean, if I wish I could find the time to, to play all those games and, um, and, Maybe we can take inspiration for that for the end of the year 2023 and do something similar for the games that we've oh, played yeah. this year. That would be really cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, mainly because I broke my foot this year or last year. That's why I got a lot of time to play games. And also there are a lot of short games on there. So it's not like most games are like maybe three hours or four hours. So it's, it looks more than, than it maybe is. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I have to ask, how did you break your foot? Because I'm just saying, because I wasn't gonna say anything, but then I broke my toe as well. Yeah, yeah. I saw in the show notes. <laughs> but yeah, I broke my foot by with uh, climbing, uh, uh, bouldering, like the climbing without a rope in a, in a sport. Uh, oh, thingy. like free climbing. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's like inside and it's only like four meters high tops or something but i i i saw everybody jumping down so i thought uh, i can do this too but uh, crack. <laughs> yeah crack. suddenly a crack and uh, and i thought okay well it's it's fine and i just cycled home and uh, uh i thought yeah i'll i'll sleep it off but the other morning my foot was like twice as big as it should be my so God. i had to go to the hospital and i thought okay it's only a little bone in my uh, foot and it will uh, be over very fast but it took me like I think two months to uh, to recover and then I had to sort of relearn to walk again it, it was my goodness yeah it was really crazy it's a really small crack but it was really like crazy uh, what happened but you broke your toe as well yeah uh, doing some let's say some form of sports and I lifted a weight in the way I shouldn't have lifted it and <laughs> and it just went and I heard it and I was like, oh, and then it went all numb. But it, it's just, um, the let's say the middle toe in, in my foot. And then I just bandaged it and it, it was all right. But this is the kind of, this is the kind of uh, break I had, break my toe and then kids. And then I had some unfortunate circumstance in Italy where I had to go. So it wasn't really a break. So that's where we're here, full of caffeine, the train of caffeine. <laughs> that's but what it's also doing. a sign you're getting old now. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> When I when oh, I was yeah. down there and I broke my foot, I thought, okay, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do this stuff anymore. <laughs> I'm nearly forty, and uh, oh. let's stop this uh, this this kind of these experiments, I guess. Well, I'm ten years ahead of you, and uh, I'm not stopping. I'm going. <laughs> I'm still going. Uh, what about you, Diego? What have you been up to? Well, uh, after the holiday. Um, I must say I had a pretty tough time before the holiday at work, but uh, the holiday really helped me recharge and everything. Then I went back to work and it, it was actually a very, very proficient time, very useful time to work for some reason, everything starting new project, new, new tasks. So um, it kind of liberated my mind a little bit. Okay. Well, yeah. 
on on the more computer side of things, I didn't have a good experience. I I was so looking forward to test this uh, chat GPT that everybody has been talking about. We talked oh, yeah. about it with workmates. Um, some of them are, are, seem to really have a lot of fun testing this chat uh, for their own hobbies. Like one of uh, my best friends at, has work at work. Sorry, um, is a huge uh, fan of learning new languages. And he keeps coming up with a new language like every half a year or so. I, I have lost count of how many languages he can already speak. Oh and God. he has been using now this chat GPT to practice languages and ask him to correct him. Might be worth explaining to the listeners what the chat GPT is and just in case they don't know. Oh, well, oh, yes, sure, of course. I kind of assume that everybody knows by now because it's been also on the news everywhere. But it's a, a artificial intelligence-based chat that right. it is quite advanced and it looks pretty realistic in the way it responds to your questions. So it would be hard to tell that it isn't an actual person if you didn't know in the first place. Hmm. And it's been in, in a beta stage so that everybody can try. And I think just a few days ago, it was announced that it's also going to the next phase commercially. And uh, it's uh, owned by Microsoft anyway. Oh, so, so it's going to have a blue screen of death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might blue end chat up of like death. that. But, and now they're going to sell it also to other companies. And I was really, really eager to try it. I had already my little plans, try to see if I could not break it, but uh, get something interesting out of it. Uh, but then... Uh, what was your plan? I, what are you going to ask it? Well, some meta questions, maybe. Like to try and first ask some normal questions and then ask him, why did you answer to my previous question in this way or how did you find out and what if I had asked you something different and what would you have said like sort of little playing with it trying mm. to see if it somehow starts giving very weird results or something like that mm -hmm. you could yeah, try asking a thing, human like that as well uh, well it's a sort of <laughs> already a little bit more advanced kind of conversation you know because mm -hmm. I think that uh, mostly this chat is has a sort of data database or knowledge base, so to speak, where it finds how to answer certain questions. I don't think it's the AI, it's Googling or searching the web. If I read it right, it has its own knowledge base and then it keeps improving it in a sort of machine learning way, mm, depending yeah. also on all the conversation it is having with human people and uh, but um, this kind of a little bit higher level of discourse when you are asking questions about asking questions or about how the conversation is going it might maybe make it more difficult for it and I wanted to see how it worked but the sad story is I didn't even start because when I try to register already something that bothered me a little bit. You always have to register, but I understand it. But then it also asked me for my mobile phone number. I 
really don't see any reason. I hate services that ask for your mobile phone number. You never know when it's going to end up. So maybe maybe this chat GPT wants to chat to you on your phone. And also, I can ask, like, what's Jago's phone number? And then he can answer me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Exactly there's, there's a lot of people uh, using it for uh, school assignments. They are like... Yeah. They, they they just ask like can you make me a paper about this subject and then the, the jet T gpt makes a, a paper for you and they just give it to their teacher and they get high grades with it it's it's crazy well, that's awesome i can do my it could do my job yeah yeah that's in fact why that's in fact why why it it hit headlines in italy also because uh it seems to be pretty good at it not only you can tell it to to write an essay, you can tell it how long it should be, in what style it should be. So I've seen people posting uh, examples on the web about asking it, uh, write or answer this question, but as if this is written, for example, in the Bible. And <laughs> so it, it makes, it produces an output that looks a little bit like the language in the Bible, saying, same style in in english obviously so it's very powerful and that's why it's been under scrutiny uh, already because uh, probably some kids have started to use it very well and now the schools have to take into account that these things exist yeah but it's good that they they learn every student should learn to uh, work with this tool because this is the future there's probably uh a lot of good ways to to use this technology to like kickstart your project or something so like uh, like make some little scribble about some kind of uh, subject and then you make it your own after that something like that it's it's good to to work like that and in the future people will also like programmers can say okay uh, make me uh something which calculates this number and then uh, then you can use that software to expand your own software or something like that there's a lot of things you can do with this and i think you should learn as a student to work with ai and because yeah it's obviously the future but don't exploit it <laughs> yeah well that's there's a fine line there i think that uh, the teachers and schools will need to adapt to these new tools but then, of course, on the on the other hand, uh, it's um, uh, I, I can expect, for example, that in the near future, you could ask it, for instance, to write me a song that uh, has this particular mood and talks about this particular topic in this particular genre of music, and maybe we'll all have instant songs that in a, in a minute it would create it for you something like that so this is very poetic what you're saying you know all this stuff but i think what we're going to get is going to be how do i get free pizza and how can i don't know uh, get free movies or stuff like that and the computer will have to find something like that that's what i expect from humanity in some respects so very <laughs> very low level yeah, but, i don't mean this really i hope there will be quality out of there because oh, but i hope so <laughs> But yeah, you were saying that you can do music, can't you? So I have a first-hand experience on something very similar. So with my kids as well, we, we looked at um, some several neural engines or AI-powered machine creation and picture creation tools. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but 
you can just write in, exactly in the same manner. You can you can write, uh, draw me a picture of this cat doing this and there with this style and plop, how it comes. And it's not perfect. Naturally, on the same line of what I've already said, there are several <laughs> several places where where you can actually ask the computer to generate dubious content. Obviously, <laughs> <clears throat> so you get those as well. And so, yeah, my kids have tried to generate some background pictures and the images that come out are quite, quite good, like really good. I think in some circumstances they they can be mistaken for real pieces of art. Yeah, my, my wife actually made um, uh, a flyer today for some uh, expo she, she is uh, doing where she used some of those AI images. She asked for like a pattern with a lot of colors, which mm. is a bit like high tech or something, something yeah. like that. And there was like a pattern coming out of it. And she used that pattern to, in Photoshop, to use it to make something more out of it. It's just yeah. a base of something. Yeah, but it makes, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but it's, it, you can use it to make stuff very fast and... Yeah, we could chat about that. But I've never tried a music one. Which one, which music one, have you seen any music ones, Diego? No, not yet. Ah, I thought you did. No, no, no. I was just speculating that they, that it's only a matter of time until we'll see one of those as well. I've, no, I've, see, I've seen that uh, some uh, indie developers said, uh, asked ChatGPT to make them an indie game. And they did. So they got an indie game out of ChatGPT. And uh, I don't know how they did it, but uh, yeah. AI, AI can, can make games. Maybe even games for our show. <laughs> I'll be honest I tried to generate a thumbnail in uh, what is it um, Fritz Frelang's art style so the Pink Panther kind of vibes or uh, Looney Tunes style but it didn't know what it was so it didn't really work mm. uh, too bad I still have to make them myself I do enjoy <laughs> it they're great so yeah unfortunately they ask for your, for your registration for your phone and this is getting more common and more common as we go along i don't like it either it's like you can't even create an email address nowadays without a phone number uh they say because they want to protect people and the identity but i don't think that is um, well i don't think this in this case was really the case to ask it but i believe this might have been just added recently for uh gatekeeping i don't know if it has always been there for this chat gpt just just to, to um, decrease the number of people who want to try out because it i think it has become so such a buzz now on the news that probably everyone would like just to give it a look at it if that's the reason i can understand it but still maybe i'm overreacting but i have become more co-shows, we had good security trainings at at work. So I'm just trying to be cautious over here because I don't really see any need. Uh, you, it, it makes very sense to use it if you have some two-factor authorization, but why would you need two-factor authorization for a service that just answers you some questions? And, um, and there were... Also, a couple of little bit unprofessional-looking things on their website that put me off a little bit. Just uh, buy a lot of burner phones. Jago, just buy a lot of burner phones. You know, I don't have the problem anymore. <laughs> yeah, but mm, I don't like to do that either, to be honest. But uh, yeah, for example, a, a little 
thing that turned me off is that um, when I decided for now, okay, let's not do it, it had already anyway registered my email. And I checked <laughs> how to delete my own account. And it said, uh, well, account deletion is permanent. So are you really sure? Because if we remove the, all your data, you won't be able to make an account again with that email in the future. And then I thought, but if they remove all my data, how do you know? How will you remember your that I made is. an account with that email? So then uh -huh. you are not really deleting my data. And that's even not fully compliant with, you know, GDPR things. Not well, great, not great. <laughs> all right. But as I say, maybe I'm just overreacting and it's not really of any danger. So, Or maybe not. And it's a conspirational theorist thing. We heed you, conspirational theorists. Tell us why. <laughs> it's oh. all Bill Gates. Yeah, now I've got to have an account to log into Windows, to install Windows. Oh, my God. Well, I'm not going to go into that rabbit hole. Um, anything else for you, Guido? Yeah, I also, this December, I got, uh, actually, right before Christmas, I got my uh, analog pocket after waiting for over a year. Do you know what it is? I do. I do. It's it's made from the same company that made the NT-Mini and uh, those, I think. Is it not? Yeah, it's a, a FPGA-based handheld uh, system where you can use your original Game Boy. And uh, in my case, I also bought a Game Gear uh, adapter, so I can also play Game Gear games on there. Uh, and it has a really nice, big, beautiful screen. And uh, it's, it's all around a really nice device. It, I, I was actually quite impressed. I, I thought maybe I won't like it or because it's after aftermarket hardware and it's not original. I thought maybe it's just like a Chinese uh, toy or something, but it's really, really nice, uh, heavy built uh, device and it works really, really well. And, and the fun thing is that you can use uh, safe states as well on your original cartridges. So that's really easy, especially for Game Boy games. Sometimes they don't have safe systems or they have a really annoying password system and you can just say okay save here and then you can save and you can also turn the device off if you're done and you, you can play f uh, further another time it's really easy and a really nice way to explore uh, but tell me one thing because you you're you're the one that has all the original handhelds ex in existence for <laughs> nintendo i think yeah yeah least. that's true uh so how, how do you feel first of all how does it compare to those like the screen for example and then how do you feel when you use the real hardware and then how do you feel when you're using the the new mini uh sorry the new what's it called again uh po pocket sorry i forgot the, the analog name. pocket yeah analog pocket. um like all my game boys i actually play on are all modded because the original screens are not that great and so i also have the game boys without the modded screens but i never use them and when I use a Game Boy, it's always a modded screen. So that's already not the original experience. And if you play the analog pocket, then you have an even better screen. So for me, it doesn't make really a big difference uh, when I play it. So actually, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of selling some of my, my Game Boys because I have so many. I have like, like maybe 
six modded GBAs and <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a bit too much and it's a lot of value and maybe I can buy other good stuff with it. And uh, that analog pocket is really nice. The only thing is the availability worries me. So I'm not bringing it anywhere. If it breaks, I'm I'm really careful with it because if it breaks, it I'll take it will take another year to get it get a new one. So that's uh, that's not great. But uh, other other than that, it, it works flawlessly. There there's a one little thing. It peels my uh, labels of my Game Boy cartridges off, or some oh, some of them. No. It's a little bit tight fit the cartridge slot, and some some of my cartridges are already a bit peeled at the bottom the the, the labels and yeah. the, the, the analog pocket will peel it off more so <laughs> i have to be really careful with it but other than that it's a beautiful device the analog grater yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm a little bit afraid about it maybe you can also i also sort of modded it so i can just play roms on it and you can also uh play uh i can also play uh, genesis and uh, super nintendo on it now there's mm. a course there's a lot of uh, fpga cores coming out of it so they're they should be hardware accurate representations. what kind of power does it have so what up to what machine could you possibly could you theoretically go up to you know uh, I, 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 yesterday i saw someone was working on the playstation one core my but god at, at wor- the, the, the what they showed us was like a really like maybe 10 frames per second uh, image so i doubt that it will work but neo geo is already running so that's pretty neo geo my god yes yeah, yeah pretty powerful stuff in it yeah yeah and it works great and i also have the mister but this is way easier to just uh play games on mister is always a little bit of tinkering to make it work and this is just a device which just plays the games. We're talking to, with Diego today about the Mister. Maybe you can you can explain to him how is it how it works a little bit better because um, I have a, a basic knowledge of it. I don't have one. Uh, I go on an emulator on a Raspberry Pi, a specific one, and um, I don't know. But but that's that could be good for you two to catch up on if uh, Diego's interested. That'd be nice. Yeah. Well, the Mister, it, it is actually. If you're used to a, a Raspberry Pi, it isn't that different. You also have to set up like a software on it and then it's a, a dedicated game machine. But it also looks like the PCB of a, like a, a Raspberry Pi or something like that. Yeah, it, yeah, it I've really seen looks it. similar. Yeah. But the difference is of, of course the FBGA um, hardware which allows it to have hardware emulation instead of software emulation. I, I'm not super technical about this stuff. But basically, what I what uh, how it's explained to me, it's like they make the hardware in code. They throw the ROM at it, and then it outputs what hardware should output. While software emulation is like a bunch of software which simulates the hardware yeah, yeah. and won't won't be that accurate. However, modern emulators are really accurate as well, so it's a bit nitpicky, but. I, I love that there's not no input lag and I can put it uh, I can hook it up on my CRT and yeah. it really yeah it always feels really good to play with it yeah that sounds cool so for someone like me who doesn't have a Mister yet but also I don't have the analog pocket if I had to get just one of them which one would you suggest me to get right now 
Well, you're uh, like more. He like just a, bought uh, it. He just bought that. You <laughs> will say that. You're more like a micro uh, computer guy, right? So, like Commodore sixty four stuff. That I mm, think. Yeah. It's better to have a mister because you can also hook on like hook it to a monitor and hook it on a, a keyboard. So you have more like the the real computer experience, while the pocket is more like yeah, it's a handheld. So. Yeah, it's more like a Game Boy or Game Gear or something like that. So it's a way different experience. But I think if you want more like the computer experience, you really should get a Mister. And I know everyone uh, in Retro Asylum, they have all Misters. And uh, I've still held off yet because... Uh, we I've need still... that sponsorship as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy from uh, MrFPGA.co.uk, please get in touch. We need a sponsorship for this. <laughs> I've been instead planning uh, all these new episodes. And uh, as you know, by our previous episode, we've changed a bit of the format. So we had to, let's say, rethink about all the episodes and how they're going to be coming out and what what pace and what content. So I've been very busy doing that. And I think that's it. I had a conversation with Pix here recently. Uh, I don't know if you guys are following, even, even if you're following this, but uh, I had his PSU to fix from his 5150 a long time ago. And then it went through all sorts of hands to get repaired. And it finally got repaired, took it there and it worked the first time. And apparently it's broken again. <laughs> so that is the last that we're going to do about that. And last time I'm going to talk about it on the show. That has been an, a massive endeavor and uh, a lot of um, people have tried to repair it to then just bust again. So quite funny in a way, but also quite depressing in another. Another reason to get a mister. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I think, uh, Diego, is there anything else from you? Uh, well, now that you were talking about hardware repairing and, and stuff, it just came to my mind that I, I finally gather up as much data as possible on how to fix my little Zoom 9002. I don't remember if I what mentioned it? it already to you. What is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's a good question. Well, it, it is essentially a, a pretty old guitar effect processor. It's a DS, DSP device. I don't know uh, if you are into music, playing music, but it's it's a little piece of Marvel, actually, because it was made in 1989, oh, wow. if I remember right, at a time where it wasn't easy to make digital effects, uh, DSPs for musical instruments. And uh, of course, nowadays, it's kind of outdated technology already, but it, it had a lot of classic effects for playing the guitar, like distortions, reverbs, delays, quite a lot of them. And uh, all of it in a very tiny box. It's like uh, 10, 11 uh, centimeters on the biggest size, like 11 times 8 times 3, something like that. It's a small black box with a small uh, liquid crystal okay. screen. And a few buttons and all of it, it, it was probably designed to be used also on stage. And back in the day when I was in my 20s, I, I, I had a band with my friends and I used it uh, also in, in our gigs. But it's so, it's so small and yet it could do so many things. But unfortunately, well, 
something like 15 years ago, it, it stopped working properly. And I thought I lost it for good. But um, uh, already last summer, I started doing some research. And it turned out that this little piece of junk <laughs> still has a lot of fans. And uh, a lot of these fans have exactly the same problem that I have. Basically, we don't get the output sound anymore. It quickly fades out into nothingness, and then you just hear the background noise. Mm. And uh, sounds like a capacitor thing or something. Yeah, yeah. It it is exactly uh, electrolytic capacitors failing, and apparently these were like maybe too cheap the the original ones. And uh, a lot of people had the same problem over the years. So there is a, a some company, I think it's a one-person company really in the USA, who was just built for fixing these little devices, this particular model for these problems or similar ones. And uh, so they can fix it, unlike the company who makes these. Because, of course, years ago, I tried to contact the original uh, customer support and I got the usual answer that it's too old. We don't know if we can <laughs> fix it. We don't know how long it's going to take, how long it's going how much it's going to cost. You should rather can we recommend our newer models, but it's not like I want a newer models. Of course I have other guitar effect processors. I just wanted to salvage this. It's just like calling Nintendo if they want to fix your Game Boy. Ah, <laughs> good. Can I recommend the Switch? Um, they say, yeah, I'll just yeah, buy a Switch, exactly. mate. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly the same it's thing. It's also from uh, and... 1989, so... Oh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, and of course, my, my purpose is just not to throw it away, not to turn it into garbage because it can be salvaged. But uh, so now I, I decided I'm going to gather all the data I can find on the web and I have all the instructions how to fix it. And now the question remaining is, should I try to fix it myself or should I send it over to some professional to do it? Because mainly my <laughs> soldering skills are really, really underdeveloped. I, I might have done three soldering jobs in my life and I don't wanna like destroy the whole thing. It's trying. fun, mate. Just do it. I also yeah. I also uh, fixed my um, original Game Gear from my childhood. Every Game Gear has leaking uh, capacitors. You have to replace them all. It's like, I think there's more than 20 in there. It's crazy, there's a lot of them. And they are all all leaking. It's actually a really fun learning project for me. And it was my original Game Gear, so it was sort of precious. So I wanted to work. And um, I finally did, well, I, yeah, my soldering skills aren't great and it looks pretty horrible, but it works. So <laughs> just, just do it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> I know that I have a good example from Andy. He's nowadays a <laughs> master of repairing everything. <laughs> a master, another one. Happy captain, the master. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit afraid, and uh, but le let's see, let's see. I also find a local company here in the city, so that at least I, I would avoid having to ship it overseas. Uh, well, it's not a company that specifically repairs these kind of things, but they are uh, they. They gave me a very good impression. They they ask you to provide as much details as possible. If you already know what is probably the reason 
for the fault, what is probably the way to fix it, because then they don't have to spend too much time and they don't have to charge you so much. They they gave me a good impression of not just being after your money, but really wanted to work with, with, oh, that's with you that's as a customer. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. yeah. Maybe it should, yeah, but, um, would be fun to support them as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so now now I have to decide which way to follow among these different options. But I, I hope to get it back because uh, it's also, of course, I'm also very fond of it. It was my first, one of my earliest um, music equipment I bought and like to make it work Good again. stuff, good stuff. So guys, uh, what have you been playing during this period? I told my, just the story that I broke my foot because of bouldering. And my cycling mate uh, broke his hip because of bouldering oh uh, like three three weeks ago. <laughs> so um, I said to him, uh, okay, let's play some co-op games because you only can s sit uh, uh, at the computer. And uh, he said, yeah, cool. So I, I bought him Portal 2. We didn't have it yet. All right. And... Um, because I learned like a month ago that there is a separate co-op missions in there. And uh, you're probably familiar with the Portal series. Is it for PS3? Uh, I think it's also on PS3, but it's the Valve uh, uh, developed game. Yeah, yeah. So I have, I have played... I have played them, and uh, especially Portal 2, I think it's uh, one of my favorite games on PS3. Exactly. And, uh, and have you played it co-op as well? Uh, a little bit with my kids. Um, unfortunately, not as much as I wanted to, but they have oh. played together it a lot. <laughs> uh, it's all separate story, all new missions. It's really extensive stuff. And I've, I've, it's also kind of hidden in there. So it was sort of a surprise for me that there, it was in there and it was really fun to play through. So uh, really nice to to play that with a friend and uh, play that all the way through. And it's all already getting old. It's game, a puzzle so. game, like, isn't it? Like where you, yeah. Yeah, I yeah think it's, it's, a, uh, it's a first puzzle. Yeah, it's a, it's a first person puzzle game where you shoot portals. You can shoot like your uh, an orange portal at one wall and a blue portal another wall. And you can walk through that orange portal to get out of the blue portal. Yeah. And you have to solve all kinds of puzzles in rooms to... Uh, to get further so uh and if you work uh do the co-op missions you have to work together you obviously have two you have four portals wow that, that must be so confusing each yeah. has two and then you have to solve a lot of puzzles and there's even pretty hard puzzles which took us like maybe half an hour to figure out and uh, and there's also a lot of physics for example if you put a portal at the at the ceiling and one on the, on the floor and you jump in that portal you get a sort of infinite loop all right and then you get a lot of acceleration you get a lot of speed and if you shoot the exit portal at the wall for example yeah you, you uh, shoot out that portal because you have all that speed build up but because the portal is now on the wall then you shoot out of the wall really fast and so you can that way you can get on higher places yeah. and stuff so you have to yeah it's a really famous game and it has a really funny story as well it's really, yeah 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 uh really fun narration and uh yeah everybody should play portal and it was like one one euro for in the steam sale or something it's yeah, crazy yeah. how cheap it is and i think it, it took me like 20 hours to play through the single player and co-op so 
for one euro it's it's a lot of gameplay it's, yeah it's really cheap nowadays it's one maybe one of the best games out there so i agree i i would totally recommend it i i saw my kids playing it all of it to the end when they were still quite small kids actually and i find it also very educational because as you said it has uh, a lot of physics in it and it's it's a total recommendation for me as well one of the best games of that that era so now so, ps3 xbox era. so now we're searching for more co-op games and uh we already uh, played through escape academy as well and uh it's actually related to the game i bring today so that's i, I don't know <laughs> if you if you're into like diablo style games but i i keep mentioning this and now i'm like 50 hours in children of morta and it's oh, just so good that game is absolutely marvelous for me the way it's paced and how you progress, uh, but it, it depends if it's your kind of genre or not, you know. I used to play uh, Diablo two back in the day, but uh, it's so addictive that I'm always afraid to start such a game again because I'll lose so many hours. Like Vampire Survivors, which uh, also was a craze uh, last year. Okay. Uh, I I tried that, and uh, after. After four hours of playing that, I, I already felt like addicted to it. I, I couldn't sleep anymore when I, I heard all the gameplay oh sounds God. and I saw a lot of visuals when I wanted to sleep and I thought, okay, I have to deinstall de this game because it's fun, but it's not good it's for me. I, I have to play something it's else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really, really, really like that. It's really like drugs my it's, god it's it's crack it's it's game crack it looks horrible but it's super fun but uh yeah that's, that's always uh, modern game design for you that what they've built now is much more playable and they make it so addictive so you don't stop <laughs> if you if you like compare it to old games where you just uh, have to like a platformer for example where you shoot and you lose game over start from the beginning or it's very very different nowadays so yeah I, I agree some of these games are really like drugs some of them anything else that you playing uh i also played uh, a little bit of ghost chase it's a game boy color game um yeah a friend on discord <laughs> said a friend of him made it so i thought oh, i have to check okay. it out it's a really it was his first game and it's it's a really simple um arcade style game it it's, looks a bit like zelda or maybe Pokemon and uh, it also has a really like a ZX Spectrum vibes uh, with the color palette which is quite cool uh, style but it's a really basic game you, you you walk into a room and you have the top-down perspective and uh, you just have to get to a key and then to a door but and you have to avoid ghosts and the ghosts all have different uh, patterns so uh, they, they float around and you don't uh, you can't be touched by it and you have like three lives and you have to uh, walk through all the game with three lives and it's pretty hard so I didn't get very far yet but uh, yeah it's a fun free little time waster uh, it's fun to would check out would you recommend it? So. well yeah you can play it online on the, in the web browser as well so just go to the itch page and just play it for for a little time it's like I, I think I played it like 10 minutes and it was fun and maybe I'll get back to it when I'm, I'm bored okay. again. I just have it open on my browser and I just play it sometimes, just see if I can get a little bit further. My main game I, I brought is, uh, is, is Nescape 
obviously an NES game, a new NES game from 2019. It's made by Khan Games. And I actually saw this uh, at first because there's people posting pictures on for it because it was coming to Xbox Game Pass. And I thought, huh? wow, there's an NES game coming to Xbox Game Pass. I had to check it out. So I actually contacted the company who ports NES games to Switch and Xbox. It's called 8-Bit Legit and they, they gave me a key. So I thought, oh, I have to play it. It's a really fun escape room so game. It's available, so it's available I'll... on NES, NES, Xbox and Switch, you said. Switch. Is that it? So you, yeah. they're not covering uh, uh, PlayStations, for example? As far as I've, I've seen, not yet. Okay. So, um, the NES game was just made by uh, that Khan Games and that 8-bit legit company is searching for the best NES games uh, to bring to modern platforms. Oh, so they they, they port they port uh, yeah obviously they they port modern ones only. Yeah. Right. So so they're only doing uh, the new uh, homebrew stuff. So it's a pretty fun company actually. Yeah. So the, this game is, is a escape room game. I don't know if you're familiar with the type, but I already brought like some episodes ago as I mentioned the cube escape game. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just like uh, an escape room. So you, you enter a room with uh, four walls. You can wo- look around in that room. And uh, there's a lot of objects in there, like chests with locks on there, or books, or uh, paintings, and stuff like that. And you have to inspect everything and see if there's objects you can pick up and use to solve puzzles. The escape room usually is like a, well, not usually, but most of the times it's a chain of puzzles. How intuitive it is to figure out, for example, one chain of puzzle compared to another. Are there, are there very big differences? It was intuitive. The interface was good. And uh, I think it wasn't that obtuse, but there were definitely some places I was getting stuck. That is, they're like, whoa, uh, I don't know what to do here. And <laughs> they supplied me a guide, fortunately. I, I didn't want to use it, but uh, sometimes I thought, okay, uh, I, I need it. <laughs> but uh, I played it together with my wife and she is good at certain puzzles and I'm good at others kind of puzzles so we could help each other for example really in the beginning of the game there's a sliding puzzle so the 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 one like yeah, the, yeah. you have the, the the small one with the nine by nine grid but this was a six by or a three by three grid normally but this was six by three and uh you have an hour to escape this yeah. room so you have the 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 countdown in top of the of the room and then you have to do that sliding puzzle and there's a, some kind of trick behind it but I can do it. And my wife was like, okay, now we have to learn this to progress. So see, we searched for YouTube videos to <laughs> how to do sliding puzzles and we learned it or actually she learned it. So she managed to eventually do the sliding puzzle in 10 minutes. So we had 15 minutes left for the rest oh of the God. game. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some puzzles that were really hard, especially there was, for example, um, you can find tape recorder. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I saw that, yeah. And Sorry. and then you play the tape and then there's a digitized voice yeah. saying something. And you have to hear what they say and then you have to type it somewhere. Yeah, but I think it's all distorted, <laughs> isn't it? The, the the sound is... It's so distorted. It's an NES game. so And it's also not my native language, English. So maybe that's also the problem. I don't know for sure. But it was so hard to figure out. So we had to look at what they're saying because... Uh, yeah, we, we couldn't understand what they're saying. But that, yeah, I think that... And, and, and there was another one with the piano. So there was 
sounds playing somewhere and we have to reproduce that on the piano yeah <laughs> and i'm tone deaf so <laughs> it's, it's, it's maybe diego it would be easy for diego but <laughs> for me it was really horrible but other than that uh, yeah it was really actually a really good game but it's bloody hard it was bloody hard yeah. but it's it's it, it when you when you like for example if you know the solution to the puzzles you can go back when the, f the hour is over, then you go game over. But if you know the solution to the puzzles, you can just do them again really fast. And then you have a lot of time to do the rest. So it took us three hours, like three times to actually finish the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, but it was really fun experience, especially to do that as well as co-op. It's maybe the team of for me this, uh, this time. This, this. Oh yeah, I, I think that you're so right with this because uh... Uh, somehow, um, many times these puzzle games are thought to be like solitaire games, but truth is that they are so much fun when there are at least two people, or even more, because in in a puzzle it's normal that sometimes, despite all our capabilities, we get stuck somewhere and we don't notice the obvious. And if you have a friend nearby, then they probably will instead of you. And I totally think the same. I have the same feeling, for example, with the point-and-click adventures or even text adventures. Yeah, this is actually that, uh, very similar to a point-and-click adventure, but you're stuck in one room and you're not talking to people. But yeah. actually, it's it's quite similar. So uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was really fun to do this this way. And I think the uh, putting it on Switch and Xbox Xbox it it makes it more accessible to do it this way as well because uh yeah um i have my super super nintendo i have like on my desk it's a really solitary thing i i never play co-op on my retro systems but this is just the the big tv in the in the living room and uh it's a lot easier for me to do this uh with more people so i think that was really cool to that they do this uh, like i don't this. know but that disincentivize people to use the old consoles then because like yourself you got it but you are oh, not going to use it because i can just plug the switch in or or whatever well there's one incentive to do it on the original hardware because it uh accepts the super nintendo mouse Wee! that no one has <laughs> so <laughs> so if you have the super nintendo mouse and you have a converter to use it on the nes then apparently you can use it on this oh, game. Cool. And I thought, wow, this is wild. It's, it's like maybe five people can do this. But, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I have one incidentally. Yeah. Oh, well, and do you have a converter for the NES? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so screwed. Yeah, well, that's, but, that's what happens. Yeah. But it's insane that that is even a thing. <laughs> I thought it was a really fun uh, thing they, they added to it. Uh, I really wanted to check it out. Maybe uh, I can do that on Mister as well. I don't yeah, know. maybe. How was the puzzle when it, there's one with it where you, oh, the trap door with a little ball where you have to move it around? Oh, you have to roll the mo uh, the ball around the the, the 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 holes. Yeah, was that hard? It, it was pretty. It was pretty janky. It's it it was really easy because um, the physics weren't that polished. I think. Ah, I see. Uh, the game the the game was more based on static stuff and this was the only thing what was interactive and, and you noticed that it wasn't their high uh, 
uh, the, the best thing they could make or something. It's, it was a bit jank, but it was mm-hmm. fun. It, uh, and especially when you have the time limit, you see that countdown and you have <laughs> so many, many minutes left, you still feel like, okay, I have to do this quickly and don't mess up. Especially because that sliding puzzle is in the, in the beginning of the game. And if you fail, you have to do that sliding puzzle again. And that sliding puzzle is so tedious. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, you just have... To, like, I, I spoke to someone else who played it uh, as for the recommendation of me. They played it on the Xbox. And he said, I said, yeah, I, I solved that in two minutes. So it's just maybe a me thing that I just don't understand those puzzles. Uh, so in regards to that, so I, I, I was having a look at it more um, from someone else who played it. But it just seemed overly, overly easy. And, and it seemed that they knew all solutions, really. The, oh, well, should I do it here? Should I do it? Oh, this must be this. And I thought, there's no way I'm ever going to do something like that or think like he thinks. I, I would have been stuck eons ago. And I think he solved it with 22 minutes to spare, which I'm like... Maybe, maybe if you have a lot of uh, experience with escape rooms, there's certain tropes, I think, in escape rooms that if you do a lot of escape rooms... It gets easier and easier. I also noticed that with uh, the other escape room games, they're yeah, they're pretty getting easier and easier for me because I know oh okay, there are signs on the wall. Oh, I probably have to do use these numbers to match up with there, and you you get all those um, tricks, um, escape rooms doing. Uh, you learn those, and then you can apply them to all escape rooms. So maybe it gets easier. On a tangent, have you guys ever been to an actual escape room? No, no, because I have the IQ of two and I would never be able to get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I haven't. But uh, I'm because of I'm, play, I'm playing these, like the last half year I'm playing escape room games, I really want to. So, uh, yeah, I, just, yeah, to have the, the experience of, of being in the escape room. And I really like these kind of puzzles, so... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, w- I was wondering. I have never been either, but just noticed a um, couple of months ago, maybe that we have a, a, a new one here in town. Or actually, it's a, it has multiple options. There's one when you are stuck in a prison and you have to actually find a, a way out of the prison, and the other that is, seems to be a room full of mysterious mechanical boxes that look similar on the outside but each one has a completely different way to open it and you have to open as many as possible but but i haven't had the chance to to try these myself but i was wondering if you had because you seem quite an expert on this kind yeah of uh, games, i'm, I'm getting more and more because yeah i play a lot but but this nescape game is it's not not an easy one it's it's the hardest uh, escape room game i played yet so uh yeah, it's not. Uh, you, you really have to learn. And uh, maybe because because of you, you can learn the answers. Maybe it's also like it's still a ten dollar game. I think okay. so. Uh, if you if you're um, playing it like uh, in four hour in, in one hour, you can do all the solutions. Then maybe it's not worth it. So maybe it's uh, made hard. So like back in the old days. So you can replay it and replay it and replay it and learn it and learn it and learn it until you finally solve it. So maybe that's that's the idea behind it. So it took us three hours and then I think it's worth it. The only gripe, no, not even gripe, but the only weird thing is when you would solve a certain amount of puzzles 
and then the light would turn out and then you'd have to switch the light back on and then stuff had changed. Yeah, so it's a sort of like, uh, it, I think it's four chapters or something, they said. So every time uh, the puzzle room gets mixed up a little, just to yeah to give you more things to f to search for because or else you you like the first minute you you see everything in the room and you know everything where is what and uh, you can only do so much with one scenario so they changed up the the room but, but it's not just one it's not just let's say one one screen no you can scroll around and go in other screens yeah, yeah, it's it's one it's one room, so you have four walls, so you can scroll around all four walls. So oh, is it only four walls? Yeah, it's only four walls. So, and every every time when the light goes out, uh, all four walls are slightly different. So you have to find out new stuff in that room again. Yeah, you're just basically you're in a square, you're in a cube, and uh, and there's a door you can open, and that's it. If you have uh, Xbox Game Pass, you can try it for air quotes free you know what <laughs> i well, i could do it with the kids and see if, if they can get out but i think i think some of the puzzles might be a bit too hard for them but maybe together all together like, like diego said multiple minds working together then works yeah. differently and you already saw all the solutions <laughs> try that sooner or later just for a, a calmer pace well it's not really calmer pace you have to be quick what happens if your time runs out does it just get game over uh, just uh i think what did happen? I think uh, just the light turns off and then you get the start screen again. Something ah, right, like that. Right, okay. And you have to start all over. But yeah, what I said, it's not really a problem because you know a lot of solutions. You can go quickly, quickly to the... Except for that sliding puzzle though. <laughs> but the rest you can do yeah. quickly. And, uh, well, good on that. So where can yeah. people find this Nescape? On Xbox Game Pass, you said. And then if they want to buy the NES version. It, it's on itch.io. I think it was also 10, 10 bucks over there. I'll have to check out. Yeah, or about 10 it. bucks. It's kaangames.itch.io slash Nescape, and it was ten euro, uh, $10. Yeah, and it, you'd recommend. I always say that. Uh, yeah, if you're, if you're a puzzle fanatic, I'll, I'll, I'll recommend. But if you're like not really big into the puzzles, I won't start with this. I will start. I would start with something easier. Yeah, maybe a cube escape game, or maybe the the Escape Academy. That's a modern uh, co-op uh, escape room game, and that's a really nice way to get into this genre because this is a really hard game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Sounds cool. I'm gonna try it one day with my kids. Yeah. For one dollar on the Xbox that I don't have hooked up yeah. right now, but I will. Diego, what did you play? All right. Well, I, I had a little bit of a personal quest last hey, week awesome. because uh, uh, I I think I told you last time that um, I've been a couple of days sick with fever before all Christmas. Of and uh, yeah, and um, usually when I when I have fever, I I always feel drawn back to the classic games of my childhood. sixty four <laughs> and. Most likely, if it's not 64, it's Spectrum or Amiga. That's weird or DOS. That, you, that you want to go, get to the nostalgia thing when you're sick. I also want to always want to watch Terminator 2 or something. <laughs> something <laughs> yeah. like, like an old movie or something like that. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I call these my comfort games. Like, you know, like comfort food, then I have comfort games also. And one of them is a classic 
platformer for Commodore 64 called Bruce Lee. And I've been playing that in those couple of days. Then I, I was talking uh, with a friend. We had a party here um, about 10 days ago, and uh, we were talking about that game. And he came up uh, asking me if, if I knew that there was a sequel, a, a modern continuation of this game. And actually, I knew that there were two of them. And uh, so we started a discussion about that. And I realized that while I, I finished the original many times, it's not that long and it's not that difficult. I finished it back in the days, in the 80s. And then every now and then I, I just played all over again. But I've never finished those two sequels. So I decided that this was the right time to do that. And I, I sit down and play through both of them and tried also to compare them a little bit. Uh, well, first of all, are you familiar with this game? Are you, have you two played this game? I uh, only seen it like maybe for five minutes, uh, someone play it. And I, I know what the goal is. And it's just jumping around, kicking some guys and finding scrolls or something. Lamps. Or lamps. And, uh, but... The, the follow-ups are when did they release? There is one that was released in 2013, if I remember right. This is simply called Bruce Lee 2 by the Halton Brothers. This and is the same the... developers? No. Oh, okay. Uh, the sequels are actually fun projects, okay. homebrews. So. And uh, they are available for free, or at least they were at some point, but I, I suppose they still are. And the second is more recent, 2019, and it's called Bruce Lee Return of Fury, which sounds a little bit like an actual movie by Bruce Lee. To me. Yeah, they, it's like a movie of his in it, Fist of Fury or something like that. That's Fist of Fury, yes, but Return of Fury, it's, that, there's no movie like that. It's just the game title. And this is by a group of people that call themselves Mega Style, just three and something years ago. But you, Andy, have played it with me. Yeah, I, I remember, remember it quite fondly, oh. in fact, by, okay. by playing it with you. I remember I quite liked it. It looked quite uh, innovative at the time compared to my ZX Spectrum. And I, and, I th and I remember liking it. But I always was the one who was looking at you playing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if it has aged well as a game. Oh. If you widow have never tried it and you would try it now, it might be that you'd find it too basic as a game. But at I, least I'm back a fan then, of Game Boy games, so probably, <laughs> right. probably I'll like it. <laughs> but but there's a good uh, little bit of co-op there if you want, oh, wow. which wasn't meant to be. the The thing is that in this game, normal single player game, it's a a very normal platform as you as you already mentioned you you have to jump and climb around different screens trying to collect all the lamps there are enemies you can fight but as a matter of fact you can also avoid them the point is just to collect all all the lamps which open doors and let you go forward until you find the final screen and beat the boss which is also not a fight really but a matter of still jumping and, and picking up things. But uh, the game had a two-player mode, but you were supposed to be one of the enemies if you're player two. Or actually, well, there is also a 
simpler two-player mode where the two players alternate being the, the good guy. But you could play the opponent. But something that I always thought it wasn't intended is that there are two enemies following you around, a, a small black ninja, and the other one looks like a green sumo wrestler. Okay. And I think it's known as the green yamo in this game. And perhaps accidentally, they made it so that these two enemies can also hit each other. <laughs> okay, so, oh, wow. so you can so work. Funny. Yeah, you can work together then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you can choose if you are the second player to play against the first, trying to stop him, or you can choose to help him. Oh, that's uh, cool. We, I always loved it back in the day because uh, we we didn't expect it from a game, and. Um, so uh, this is a very classic, and I think every fan of Commodore 64 knows, knows this game very well. And there, ha there has been these two sequels, and uh, they are really sequels, not, not remakes that try, for example, to improve on the graphics. They look very similar, if not exactly the same as the first, and they work as sort of continuations, like new, new episodes with uh, new levels and everything. The mechanic is almost the same, but it's very nice when, you, when you'll notice some extra things that they have added. And each one of these two games has its own new, new additions, some novelty effects. Like, well, maybe I'll start saying that the, the similarities don't just end with the mechanic, but both of the developer groups of the sequels have also reuse the same music as the original game. And here, I don't know how they did it. I would like to know if they managed somehow to extract it from the original. To me, it sounds exactly the same. If they had like reprogrammed it from scratch, it, it could be the case, but it must have been quite more difficult. I don't know how they manage it, but you know, you immediately get that familiarity feeling that this is not the same game, the screens look different, colors are used differently, and in Bruce Lee 2, everything is more colorful and vibrant. In Return of Fury, everything is more creepy. And I, I've read that they wanted for Return of Fury to give the feeling that it was the same location after 35 years of being neglected it so everything looks like it has been crumbled a bit and you still get some of the old older levels there as well as new ones but the That's older so cool. ones yeah. look like really cool. they, they, they have been left there for 35 years so oh that's nice yeah very nice idea. And, uh, and did they add new mechanics to the games or is it just the same in new levels they did add some new mechanics so for example Bruce Lee 2, of which I must say there are multiple versions. I'm not absolutely sure which version I have. So the experience might vary a little bit if you don't have exactly the same version. But uh, the, the mechanic have improved a little bit by themselves, especially in climbing. Everything is a little faster. This was kind of frustrating in the original because it took some time just to walk up the stairs and that's not a good thing. They kind of smoothed it a little bit. And uh, the biggest thing is that after a while, you can also swim. And that oh. is absolutely 
not from the original game. No, that no, was no. A, a, in the earlier levels already, but it's it's a big moment when you see, oh my god, Bruce Lee can swim, because you you are expecting at that point that this is just new levels, but not much more than that. Can he breathe on the water? Yeah, there is no danger of drowning. <laughs> so Bruce um, Lee is like a superhero. <laughs> yeah, it, I guess they decided not not to also make it a hazard. But uh, but then, well, it obviously moves differently, and there are parts when you, you have to to control your character differently from just jumping and swimming. Well, if anything, I think they could have put more water levels than it not that many and considering they had to build pr- program a new mechanic they they could have exploited a little bit more yeah but most people hate uh, sw- swimming mechanics in games so <laughs> mm-hmm. it always yeah, gets but... slower when they are water level then everything gets slower all the time and a lot of people hate that so uh, i wonder if did you like it or like like the new mechanic or yes i did and I think I only wish they they had more levels because it felt more like they added it, but it wasn't that difficult where you have to swim. It's pretty easy, pretty easy parts. And at some point they could have made it more difficult. Overall, the game is more difficult than the original. And I think it's on purpose that probably they thought all the fans of Commodore 64 have beaten this game, the original one, many times. So let's like bring the difficulty a small notch above the original. Yeah. So you you always it, see that with fan projects, they <laughs> you say a small notch, but most of the time there's like a big notch of difficulty increase with with fan mm-hmm. projects. It's because fans already played that for like 20 years, and then suddenly they. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they want something really hard to uh, to enjoy themselves. Yeah, and both of these are harder. Sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a little bit frustrating way. You do have some places where you need the famous near pixel perfect jumps. I don't like mm-hmm. them very much. I'd like a little bit more slack. And there were some levels that were really really killers you had to go through them many times before getting it right and um, so uh, more difficult for good and for bad depending how you watch it both of the sequels have this, the same kind of problem so to speak yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how does it affect the, the nostalgia so when you play the two sequels does it actually still feel nostalgic a little bit? So the idea of the creepy one for me is, I think that's a really brilliant idea. Like, oh, this has been left there for 35 years, as we were saying before, that's a beautiful idea. But does it still feel nostalgic for you when you play the sequels in some form? Yes, definitely yes, even though they are new. And I think that the reason is because they kept the the graphic uh, identical, I, I did have the feeling that maybe the animation was a tiny little bit different, but I'm not sure if it was just me. And uh, the music, as I said, is identical. And the loading screen, the, the main screen, well, on, on Return of Fury, there's a, there is actually a very beautiful intro picture at the beginning. Mm. looks very modern. But after that, the main selection screen is so bare, like spartan level bear like text and um, maybe a little bit of title but 
it looks old. <laughs> that part looks old. But that was good for me because, as you said, it it did help me reconnect nostalgically to the to the first episode immediately. That's really. Cool. But back to the new mechanics. So, well, I haven't finished with the with the first sequel. the The second one I want to mention first that uh, that it also supports three players. Okay. But I couldn't test it because for that you you would need a. a for joystick adapter, I don't have it, like the Protovision one. Okay. But in this case, you can play all the three, Bruce Lee, the Green Yamo, and the Black Ninja all together. And, um, oh, it's like a Battle Royale. Not Battle Royale, was it? Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's a nice, nice improvement. Uh, then both games have two different levels of difficulty, if you want. Uh, curiously, I think uh, Bruce Lee 2 has a default has a default level and then also has an easier level if you want the same challenge as the original. Okay. And the other one, Return of Fury, does the opposite. It has default level and then it has hard mode where the enemies move faster. And both sequels mm. are made with for with the, uh, by the same developers or? No, they're made by two different groups of people. Oh, okay. So it's also not related. No, <laughs> oh, uh, nice. if I understand right, no. I'm not I'm not sure if there's someone, some people in common in the two groups. I haven't checked carefully, but I think they are different groups. Uh, and, the, and the second sequel, did they add mechanics as well? Or? Well, uh, only these uh, three players won, okay. really. I think... Um, mm, that's more faithful to re- to the original as the first, but uh, in fact, if I had to choose one, I'd probably choose the oldest of the two sequels, this Bruce Lee two. It's uh, yeah. actually it's also it it's also longer, or it or it felt longer to finish it. The other two have maybe twenty screen or so, and these seem to be at least thirty or forty screens, more satisfactory. And this second title, Bruce Lee 2, has a lot more enemies. And the really cool thing is that they are taken from the movies of Bruce Lee. So you are going to see, I don't, I don't want to give any spoilers, but if you have seen Bruce Lee movies, there are especially two actors that are in very, very famous scenes. And you're going to see them in this Bruce Lee 2 games as well. Oh wow! So and it's they're really gonna like be a mean. fan service. Yeah, and they're gonna be mean. <laughs> how how do they look? Do they look in, in style with the rest? How they may did they manage to? They maintain, maintain the, style? the the style as the original game, so they look yeah. like very much very much fitting with the style of the game. Cool. But you could certainly you could not misunderstand who they are. You'll immediately know if you know the movies. You'll immediately know. Oh my God! That's him and there's him also you're gonna have to take to wait for a while because they're not in the first screen but they they were really really nice when they comes up and they are gonna kick your b-side big time (laughs) because they are more difficult than the original enemies you have to be careful there's one of them uh, the the mechanic of the battle is so that uh, you can get a certain number of hit before dying. 
So it's not actually that dangerous compared to the traps in this game, which kill you instantly. But um, there has always been some variable there, depending on whether you get hit by a punch or a kick. It's not a very sophisticated fighting game. You yourself can only do a punch if you're standing or a flying kick if you if you hit the button while running and not much more yeah, than yeah. that. But I noticed I that one of these famous character can kill you in one flying kick if it gets you in a certain position. That's very dangerous. And uh, again, I'm, I don't want to spoil too much because I think that this is definitely a game worth trying and not uh, and, and these surprise moments are so good that I, I really want to stop here. But I can guarantee... It's also worth trying for me if I'd never played the original Bruce Lee. Sure, why not? But I would also recommend that you try the original. So I have to play, the, play the original first, then go to, for yeah. the second one. Yeah, I think it, it would be best so that it, you, you'll know at least uh, where the other two come from. And um, it's a little easier to play the original than these two overall. Okay. I say for a person who you, you know we do you use a lot of handhelds and uh, it might it might work for you you know it might work. Yeah, I already uh, tried to uh, install a C sixty four emulator on my PlayStation Vita, but I couldn't get anything to work. So I have to f- <laughs> try try some more, I guess. Try on the analog. Yeah, there's no C sixty four core for it yet. So, uh, but there is on the Mister. So. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll, okay. I'll t- I really want to try it running because there's so much C64 homebrew coming out. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And some of it's really cool. Yeah. Okay. What have you been playing, Andy? I've been playing a couple of games. Uh, I've touched very lightly on Pure Power. It's like a puzzle game, like I can say that. Initially, when I when I, we talked about this, I thought it was going to be a Dyna Blaster or you said a Bomberman kind mm-hmm. of clone, but it is... Uh, I wouldn't say anything like it. It, it kind of touches on that aspect in some ways. Again, I'm not spoiling here, but it's uh, it's a very different and a very unique take on a on a on a puzzle game. And one of our listeners, I think M- MT, uh, said there are a couple of a handful of other ones that work with the same dynamic, but this one's particularly polished. It's a rogue-like game. So I didn't have... see the rogue-like element, but uh, now you you said that, I kind of uh, remember there is like a, a pocket on the side, so you you can put three items there. Maybe that remains throughout the cycles of the game. <clears throat> it is, at this, at this very stage, it's like a puzzle game, and you have to, you enter basically this kind of dungeon, let's say, but it's a hatch in the ground, <clears throat> and... There are certain enemies, different enemies, and they all behave differently, but none of them moves until you move. That's the mechanic that's very strange for me. Yeah, so it's turn-based, no, uh, basically. But it's very fast, you know? Yeah, but it's, you do a turn, they do a turn, immediately, so yeah. Yes, yes. So, But I haven't wrapped my head around it yet properly on how you can make it successfully out the level. Hmm. Uh, because some of them are homing on you and you have to find a key that one of them holds and it becomes quite difficult and you can activate certain bombs by touching them. Some bombs you will touch and they will explode after a certain number of turns and some other ones will follow you every turn you move or do something. 
so it becomes very, it's a very difficult and very unique puzzle that I have never experienced before. It's amazing that there's a new idea like this, and I really love that. But because it's so new to me, my brain is absolutely, this doesn't configure on any other level. So it doesn't resemble anything I've ever seen. So I can't really, I need to understand it and I need more time to, to go. I think it. you just have to experiment a lot with it and, uh, and learn the mechanics, yeah. which is, I always like games where I sort of, everything is a, like a riddle. You have to learn all the mechanics and and everything is new. That, that, that really is what defines an indie game for me. There's correct where, where there's new game game mechanics and uh, and, and also looks really fun, a, a really cute art style, and re it really looks really good for NES games. So I really really want to play this game, and I'm really jealous. You already have a preview <laughs> copy of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I yeah, of course we will eventually, yeah. hopefully, all, all will get to play it, um, and we can talk with the author as well because. Uh, for me, especially, I think that was very innovative. And because of that, I think it's worth maybe taking, spending a little bit more time on it together, maybe for a little bit and, and, and exploring the mechanics and actually understanding where, they, where there are all this new mechanics have come from and how they work and, and really celebrate something completely new, for me at least. It's also fun to play together. If everyone's plays, you can maybe... Uh, explain each other new mechanics you found or stuff like that it's like yeah 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 yeah, yeah that would be uh, sure. great so hopefully he finds a publisher <laughs> really fast <laughs> yeah so i think jeremias has been in touch i don't know if i'm supposed to say this there's no embargo no one said to me not to talk about it but um that he's been in touch with mega cat studios which um very kindly provided the game i've be i've been playing mostly for this episode probably they will publish his game oh that's great well, can't wait. So I played that a little bit to give myself a little taster. As I said previously, I did play Children of Morta again, which I cannot stop uh, saying how good it is. I <laughs> really, really recommend everyone playing it. If you like Diablo, it's got Diablo vibes. It's uh, it's really well designed in every aspect uh, and uh, pacing, everything. It's just very, very beautiful. Do they pay you, Andy? <laughs> I wish they pay me. They should pay me. Dead mage, you should pay me. Uh, yeah, very, very good game. Um, you're all, I'm not going to say You're also playing uh, Rage Shadow Legends, uh, probably. <laughs> what I've been playing most, though, in this... Um, for this episode is Tanza for the Sega Mega Drive. Uh, and I've been playing the physical copy that has been kindly, very kindly donated to me by Mega Cat Studios. Uh, so a, a great thanks to them uh, once more. They sent this over quite a while ago, in fact, for me to have a look at, but I never got around to uh, because of the platform rotation, etc. So uh, in a nutshell, this is an, an action action platformer, I would say. And the story, because it comes with a manual, I can read the story. And the story is very simple, uh, but it's basically like a, a girl that likes to dance a lot. And she was getting ready for her performance. But then she found herself in this, this strange suit and in this strange world. Oh, so the title is Tanzer. So it's German. With a T, though. It's Ger Tanzer. It is Ger German for dancer. Yes. Ah. Yeah. I don't know if... It, is that what the word for dancer is in German? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's made uh, by a German guy called uh, Michael Tillander. And it, it's from 2019, so not, not extremely new. 
I mean, the story, as I said, is very simple and it has echoes uh, of different games that I can see in it very clearly. So one of them, for example, from the art style, it looks very much for me like Shadow of the Beast. And then it's got a bit of Strider in. in its yeah, that's what, what I thought. Uh, when I looked for, for footage for this, it really looks like Strider, especially the attack, the, the sword attack. It's really similar. Yeah, for me, just that, you don't really jump around as much. It's mainly left to right. There's not a lot of going up or going down. But just the weapon does remind me a bit of, uh, of Strider and then Shinobi as well. Like those are the three games where these kind of merge together. And bizarrely enough, it looks like a shoot 'em up in some circumstance. So there's a lot of bullets going on the screen, even if it's like more like a slash kind of melee kind of game. So do you bo- uh, dodge those bullets or do you slash them away? You have to dodge oh. the bullets. But um, let's just take this from the start. So this was a Kickstarter from 2018 and it uh, was fully funded and it was made in one year. And believe it or not, in one year, they made a product and they made a physical release. And not only that, they made three different (laughs) physical releases. One from the Kickstarter that, that came to be and then another one from the Mega Cat Studios. And then there's another version for the Mega Cat Studios, which has been improved. So I know there's been some uh, reviews of this on YouTube as well. And they were mentioning how the cart was shaking inside. The art style wasn't that great on the on the first release for uh, from Kickstarter and the Mega Cat Studios one as well. So they've improved the Mega Cat Studios. I have improved that. And the art style is absolutely brilliant, um, I think, now on the cartridge. And it doesn't shake anymore. It doesn't rattle. And it looks really premium to me. So I think it does look legit. I mean, I mean, I can show it to you guys, but the listeners won't 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 actually see it. But there you go. Does so it have the, the baffled uh, PCB? Yeah, it, like the the PCB where the, the contacts are going into your into your system. It oh, should... I'd have to check that. I'd have to check that. So uh, um... I, I suspect it uh, it will be fine, but uh, <laughs> it it. Or else, like, if you order uh, a PCB from, like, PCB Way or something, it's just uh, flat. Straight, yeah, straight. Straight, yeah. And that will destroy your system if you're not... Uh, uh... Yeah, one thing I didn't know, yeah. Okay, that's good to know. The first impression I had with it, it was extremely playable. So, yes, you dodge the bullets and there is there are loads of mechanics in it that I will explain it in a few moments. The idea is that you're this dancer. <laughs> so it's a very unique grouping of backgrounds, enemies. Uh, I don't really understand it properly, but it works somehow. Yeah, it's really an esoteric uh, art style, really weird uh, mishmash of, uh, of characters, which, which I saw from the footage. When you're playing a game, it doesn't... It matters that the graphics are good and etc. But what matters most is how playable it is. And this one really stands out. It's very addictive as well for uh, some reason that I will explain in a couple of minutes. But it's very responsive. So you you can shoot immediately and you start from the left uh, on, on each level. And you have to go to the right, basically. And, and you drop off from a spaceship. So you are transported from these levels, which are in reality some... Um, countries so you you have to with this spaceship got to go to different countries boop, boop, boop. in each country you land with this spaceship and then you do that level which is 
then comprised of several different mini bosses. And then at the end of the level of that country, you've got the big boss. The big bosses are all over the place. One is a fish, one is a sword, but, but it doesn't matter. It's very playable again. One is a chandelier. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's very unique, very unique, very playable though. That, that's, the, that's the part that I like. So you run around, kill all these enemies and they drop some gold. Depending on the enemy that you're killing, it'll drop a bigger or smaller. And then at the end of the level, you go back on your ship and you can buy some upgrades. Oh, that's cool. Uh, those upgrades um, are diff different and varied. There's quite a few, and I will get into them as, as well in a bit. But what I want wanted to say beforehand is the combat is very particular. So you can use that strider kind of slash kind of thing, and you can slash it in all directions. So it all around and kill enemies that way or there's the other mechanic which is very unique i think and i've never seen before you can jump on the enemies slashing them with your body so you you, you kind of put yourself in you become a ball like kind of thing and then you you jump on the enemies but you have to time the jumps so you hit the enemies at the right time otherwise you won't hit them is, is it similar as the uh, pogo uh Pogo jump, uh, as, like in NES DuckTales or something, if you know that. Or... Yeah, let's say it reminds something like that. That's right. It reminds you, you have to be quite precise on how you um, jump over them. And there's another mechanic basically hidden in here. So you can double jump as well. But if you jump on an enemy and kill it, then you can continue jumping indefinitely. So you can you can keep just jumping, 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 and just get to the end of each level, just jumping and killing all the enemies. Naturally, if you keep doing that, you'll lose the gold. So you can't scroll backwards. So you go forward, and once you've gone past the, the area, you can't go back. Mm. So you would lose all the gold and wouldn't be able to buy the upgrades. But there are ways that you can do this. So for, let's say for a speedrunner, that would be ideal. You just get to the end, get to the end, and that's done. But if you want to actually spend some time and get the upgrades, then it's quite worth you taking your time and waiting and killing the enemies properly. I don't think it's overly difficult. Um, it, it, it gets really hard in some places, but you need to play over and over and over and over until you learn the patterns. And then it starts to become way more familiar and you'll recognize the patterns and you won't die. And there yeah, are some it, instances it looks really where difficult you can actually... When, you, when I see all those bullets flying over the screen and... Well, you should try it. So there's, there's, it seems difficult. You have to be careful to the bullets, but you have some special abilities that cancel the bullet out, for example, that can get rid of all the bullets. And also, you don't die by contact with the enemies, which is quite interesting. Oh. So an enemy can go past you, and if it doesn't throw a bullet, it doesn't do anything to you. Okay. That's but yeah, there's nothing as such on the Mega Drive that I've ever seen and uh, in any of the old platformers that I've ever seen. So I think it's it gets a really kudos from me from or originality and uh, different aspects. Uh, you know, the graphics are very esoteric and the gameplay is very unique. So again, a, a cool novelty, I would say. And I, I definitely, for, for now, I would say I, I'd recommend it because it's really cool. When you get to the end of the level, you have a scoring. So you get a score based on three different things. How long it took for you to get to the end of the level. And you get a, a bonus if you've been quick. How much gold you actually have uh, recovered by killing the enemies. And how many jumps you have done. The more you jump and you kill the enemies consecutively, the more the, these, these jump points go up. 
So it makes it very, very good for a high scores challenge. With these uh, points, then you get to go back to your ship and here you get to the power up system. You can choose the weapons that you can get and there's uh, quite a few. So there's four special powers. There's the water, there's I think the stone, fire and a form of laser. Also in the shop, I call it shop, there you can buy another energy bar. So, so you've got right, points. three energy bars <clears throat> that are your life and you can buy one of the, those energy bars. You can buy a form of uh, projectile shooting. So, you know, your strider strike is very limited, but when you throw the projectile, it just goes to the end of the screen so you can kill enemies that are further away easily like that. So you can make it easier for yourself. Yeah, yeah, it all, it's, it's all made to, to get to help you out. And you can buy a save game that costs, I think, 500 gold, which is very, very expensive. And you can upgrade each of these weapons twice. In order to be able to get all these upgrades, it's very hard. So it's, it's it will be very difficult for you to be able to buy them all because the the goal is not as much as you would need to be able to buy them all. So you have, so to, you have to make choices. Yes, you have to make choices, which is quite nice. But also there's a load of secret levels, secret stashes that you can actually go and uh, open up. But sometimes in order to reach them, you have to have a special power. So there's um, the power of water, which is not widely used. If you have a wall in between you and a stash, it can teleport you on the other side and you can open it. So there's a lot of um, thinking. Exploration as well. Say what? Sorry. There's exploration as well. Yes. And you have to find these secret levels. Uh, and there are sometimes forks in the road that you can choose. So you can go, for example, at the end of the first level, you see immediately. So this is no spoiler. You can go right or down and then you can choose. And each path you'll learn will give you a certain amount of gold. So you'll tend to want to try and find the path that has the most gold in order to be able to afford all these um, upgrades. So did you manage to beat this game? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I got I got fairly forward, but I didn't really, I, I didn't manage to beat it. It's, it becomes hard. It looks really like a skill game that you really have to be skilled and learn how to to get to the end. And maybe it's maybe it's like a dance to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's um, it's very well made uh, in, in respect. The levels again are all, all over the place. The countries, um, even when you when you change the country, you can choose sometimes which country you're going to go to. Uh, some of them resemble Italy. One resembles Japan. But you can choose before you go to that country which one you want to go, and that will be another path that will give you probably more or less gold. The mini bosses are really really funny. And a bit gory. Sorry, they're funny, but a bit gory. Uh, some of them are like a crucified man or a hanging man or a burning man. Just just there. And they just spit a load of different bullets. And you have to avoid all these bullets. <laughs> and I just find it. There's one is a harakiri man, just, just dead. And <laughs> then it just spews bullets. In that respect, it's, um, I think, very unique and funny yeah, in some really ways. unique art style and... They, they really try to do something different and I've, I respect yeah. that. Yeah, and the fact that they did this one more year, you know, yeah. uh, I know oh, we, we mentioned Paprium and, and uh, how long that took 
to get published and this in one year was done and dusted and it's not bad it's um 60 fps on a mega drive first of all so it's it's really fast and you'll definitely understand and, and experience it when you're playing it how well it controls and how addictive it is mm. and how you want to try it again because you'll realize it looks difficult and it uh, it is difficult but not as much as you can probably see from a youtube video you have to try it you'll get quite far in the first run and it's very intense so it does not stop so it's it's like an adrenaline rush <laughs> yes yes well wow, that's nice and the music plays a, a great part in it yeah Cool. The music is good as well. So it uses, I think, the Yamaha chip as well as the um, the onboard chips uh, of the Mega Drive to make the sound. And there's a video that actually shows you the two chips, what they do together. They work together, basically, to create the sound, which I found like, that was very, very unique as well. And it just creates all this atmosphere. It's, the music is like techno, so Diego, not for you. <laughs> But, uh, you know, again, very engaging, very addictive. And uh, let's just talk one second about the power-ups. To choose the power-ups, it's, it's a bit of the only low side, in my opinion, because you have to stop the game. You have to pause it in order to choose the power-up you're going to use. So you're going to choose uh, the laser. So get or, you out of the flow. Yes, especially in a, such a frantic game where you're not going, don't, 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 kill, 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 and then doing, pause, everything. Oh, you're like, oh, hang on a minute. Everything stopped. <laughs> and then if you start again, then maybe a bullet was going to shoot you, puff, you're dead. Uh, yeah. But other than that, I think it's a great game. Even if it's from 2019, I think it's really good and it lends itself perfectly to uh, a high score challenge because this is what this game, it seems, made for. I'll say one last thing. You can get two different endings. You can get a good ending and a bad ending. I haven't figured out exactly what influences one ending compared to another. And I didn't understand by reading around either. But well, I think, uh, yeah. That's for the listener to find out. <laughs> yes. And there's another aspect that I haven't found out. And I don't think anyone has found out yet by the looks of it. But please, anyone that has, please get in touch with us. I'm really curious. So when you go on the ship... You'll have to look at this uh, on a picture somewhere. When you go in your ship and per to purchase these um, power-ups, there are some orb holders, I would call, on the on your ship. There's four at the top and one big one in the middle. And apparently they, they fill up in certain circumstances where you when something happens. But I've not been able to understand what happens when you fill them all up. And I've never seen anyone who's done it. Nope. Maybe it's something to do with that ending. Uh, I've, no, well, I've seen someone get the good ending as well as a bad ending without fitting them in. So it's, for me, it's a complete mystery. Hmm, interesting. Well, uh, that's what I've been playing and I definitely recommend it. In fact, I think Megacat Studios has given us a discount voucher that you'll find on the website as soon as this episode is out. So you can have, I think, 50% of any purchase at Mega Cat Studios. So thanks to them again. They're very kind. 50, and that's, that's a lot. 15. Uh, oh, 15. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I thought... Uh... Listeners, 15, not 15. 15. <laughs> and, uh, but is this game also available in ROM or only in physical? No, I think it's available only in physical. I haven't, Ooh, that's I haven't seen the ROM around, I, I don't uh... have a Mega Drive. <laughs> no, I know. But uh, whoever's got a Mega Drive, you know, consider this purchase because I think you'll find yourself 
doing several runs maybe with your friends and trying to best your friends or best your own score because it's that kind of game uh, and I think I was pleasantly surprised by it you know and go for it and thank you again Mega Cat Studios so that's my games for for this episode I think I need a break I, I really need a break <laughs> because I am I'm half asleep <laughs> but uh, we'll be back in a second sure my life Ryder before entering a battle with a Zerg, I always listen to New Game on Flame. All the Protoss do, and you should too. My meditation is over. We stand as one. Da, 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 da. We're back. It's time for news. Yeah, um, I noticed two things which are released uh, recently and uh, one of which is the running with speed documentary uh, i noticed it because i'm following summoning salt on uh, youtube do you know that channel no i do not and i don't understand what this documentary is about so maybe <laughs> well, you can summoning explain to salt is uh, is a guy who explains uh, speedrunners so yeah. Uh, okay for example yeah. he, um, he he picks like uh, super mario bros and he explains the whole speedrunning history of Super Mario Bros. record. So the, those those YouTube uh, videos are really interesting on itself to see like, okay, uh, uh, what was it in like early days, the, the records, and then you see uh, what tricks they had to learn to, to uh, get better and better and uh, what the time is now and who is the record. And that summoning salt guy is really, really good at uh, uh, talking make it really like uh, a tensionist or something you're really like you're it's it explains he probably explains it really well and you're very gri gripped yeah, by it. it's very it's, rivet, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's yeah so that's really rec recommended and he posted the video like oh there is a new documentary coming out running with speed and uh he is narrating that video or that uh, documentary and it's out on amazon prime and Oh, big, so not on YouTube. So no, it's an official documentary. An official oh, that's documentary. interesting. And um, it's all about uh, speedrunners as well, but more about the runners themselves. So they follow the the runner, the speedrunners, and they they do uh, interviews with them, and they follow them to uh, GDC. Do you know GDC? The games don't quit. Yeah, conference. Yeah, yeah, I do. And uh, they explain about what games done quick is and how much money they make for a charity and stuff like that and you can see that speed running is actually something you can do to make money as well and uh, that's that's incredible that's incredible it's the other side of the speed running normally you only see the the speed runs you see people playing the game but now you see the the people themselves so it's really a fun documentary for yeah people who are interested in games and also in speed runners or strange communities <laughs> and maybe it's it's it uh, I, i've seen the i've seen the documentary already and uh, I, I watched it with my wife who is totally not interested in speedrunners but <laughs> she also uh, liked watching it so uh, the only speedrun i saw i think is one of god of war oh so a, a new one the new god of war no no the old ones. it was an old it's not documentary it's just a youtube video about in fact, it's a documentary on YouTube about how this God of War speedrun 
manage to get better and better. But I think they use glitches in order. Yeah, to, most of the time they <clears> use. The but so I don't. It's not. Oh, I don't like that. Just because to, to exploit the game for the glitch to be quicker is. Uh, yeah, my wife also said. Yeah, uh, what's the fun of that? Uh, you you don't play the game anymore. You you're just exploiting the game to get fast to the ending. But I also said. These people are the most dedicated players of these games. So they've, yes. they've played these games thousands of hours and they're like the biggest fans of those games. So they can do anything what they want with that game. I always, uh, when people uh, speedrun my Quake maps, I always like, oh, those are my biggest fans. They play my maps a lot. So I always yeah, really yeah. love those. <laughs> I really love speedrunners. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, really fun to see, uh, have a peek around uh, in that community, the, the, the speedrun community. So, uh, yeah, it was really fun to, to, to watch. And another, there was a game uh, released called Lester on the uh, Commodore 64. And this really motivates me to <laughs> install a good Commodore 64 uh, emulator because it's a gated exploration game like a metroidvania game it looks really good by the way and it, i want to play that yeah it, the colors really pop and uh, the the graphics look great the music looked great and yeah it and was just released this month oh so it was released finally yeah this month so okay great great well as a commodore 64 fan I, i've heard about it before and good news because it, it really looked like a top-notch game the, the music was music preview was what originally blew me away, but also that it looks very neat and graphically everything is nice. And then of course remains to be seen how playable. Have you seen any any reviews already? Not a review, but there's a, a trailer, and I saw some comments on the itch.io that the, that the people really liked it. But it's the first game of that developer. It's Knife Grinder, so uh, we we should see if it's uh, it's any good. But initially, I think uh, it's something I would really like, and probably you as well. <laughs> I I thought that uh, this game shows how well modern programmers, in my opinion, are how well they know the original machine and how much they've learned all these years about how to to really use as much as possible everything that the Commodore 64 can offer because it would have been quite hard maybe to, ha to have this day develop uh, in the 80s originally. Mm. But uh, I, I was looking forward to it and I only had a concern that uh, when, I, when I saw the previews before, it looked a bit too easy, but uh, I, I would like to, to know now how it ended up. If, yeah, if but gated exploration games is always more about exploration than challenge, I guess. Mm -hmm. so, That's true. Uh, so we'll see. Well, probably someone of us play will play it in the future. I know on whose backlog that's going to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, for me, I have a couple of releases here. Repugnant Bounty was released uh, from Skibbles for the Game Boy Color in uh, December, the last week of December. And I think it's a Metroid kind of game. I did just dabble on it for a, a handful of seconds for now, but definitely going to look at it in the future. I don't know if you either have had time yeah, to actually I look at it. Yeah, I think I played it for 
also sh really shortly, maybe 10 minutes or something. But it's really like, it feels like a Metroid 2 clone. Okay. Uh, in a good way. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, Metroid 2 is obviously a great game. Yeah, yeah, I know. And yeah, it's yeah. really, really inspired about uh, of that game. It's like similar graphics, similar play style. So what I played it looked really fun. Looking forward to test it myself properly, yeah. And then there's a Kickstarter that I wanted to bring the attention to uh, for everyone. It's called Galencia Chaosphere. Again, for the Commodore 64, Diego. And this looks really, really well done as well. Really polished. It's still in progress, but you can see some of the gameplay on the Kickstarter that when I finish this, um, the show notes, I will actually add to too. When I watch the video and how it's presented and the kind of choices you make and how big the sprites are or when you choose a ship, it's like a, sorry, I meant to say it is a, a vertical shooter. <clears throat> very, very well done and very modern looking. So these are exactly the kind of games I'm looking forward to try. Uh, the ones that have this modern game design and also look a bit more modern on a very, very old machine. I think this I am gonna try as well. Also because I love shoot them ups. Have you backed them? It's on Indiegogo, I see. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, on Indiegogo. Yeah, they're all some some Kickstarter platform. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope that he makes it. Still for the Commodore 64 aficionados, the ultimate two cartridges have now begun production again. So Diego, I bought you one of these for your Commodore 64 that I, I gave you. And then the FPGAs or whatever chips had uh, finished. Basically, the guy wasn't able to make any more of them. So he had to replan and reproject the motherboard of that particular cartridge in order to make it again with uh, cheaper components, let's say. And now it's ready. So if you own a Commodore 64 and you've been waiting for this, it's a good time to order it. Um, again, the link, I'll try and put it in the show notes as soon as they're ready. And then a very, a very silly news in some respect, but I found this on Kotaku and I think that this is, <laughs> is quite funny. So some video gamer, uh, YouTuber, found out that uh, there was a pitch for a Zelda game that got basically cancelled and they published it on YouTube and Nintendo wanted to take them down. So they did take them down. <clears throat> but after a couple of days, YouTube put them back on again because there was no real copyright infringement of it. And uh, I think the author waited for some while because there's a weird mechanic, I think, on YouTube that... If you get a court order in such amount of time, then the video stays off. But if that court order doesn't ar doesn't arrive, then the video can go back on. Uh, and so it was one of the few instances where a YouTuber has won over versus Nintendo. And the blog posts, the Twitters about it are quite are quite funny if you go and, and look at them. Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, did they won or did they won for now? <laughs> So mostly they have only so much time in order to create the court order for them. Mm. And if they had not done it, they don't, they can't do it again. I think okay. the video stays up. Uh, that's my understanding of it, but I would love to know a bit more into detail how these policies work and how the DMCA ticks behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff that I, I currently don't know, but I find it again, interesting and funny in some respect and it's also ironic that by suing them or trying to get that video down it got a lot more attention 
and Nintendo now probably has a bigger problem, problem. than uh, maybe than they yeah, should have had. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, it kind of backfires in that way when when they don't win because people say, "Oh, hang on, they can do that, so maybe we can do this <laughs> and uh, and test more against Nintendo." Yeah. Diego, do you have anything to add? Well, and on the news side, maybe this is a little bit of a tangent from our uh, main target, but uh, one small news that captured my interest was that I heard that the archive.org website has now also archived Flash games, old Flash games. Uh, you probably know that uh, Adobe has discontinued Flash uh, three yeah. years ago, if I remember right. And uh, already, <laughs> and uh, it feels longer. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it was uh, early two thousand and twenty, something like that. But um, I, I thought. I think this is a nice idea to preserve in even those very little known games. I remember that my youngest kid was very fond of uh, a website. I think it was physicsgames.net, probably. That okay. had all these flash games that had something to do with physics or geometry, gravity-based games, something like that, when he was very little. And then uh, one day I told him that uh, Flash was going to be discontinued, and in fact that website eventually stopped working. And he was heartbroken. And, <laughs> oh, and no. he told me he hadn't, <laughs> he hadn't played them for years, but I, I told him, but you have much better games, but bigger games now. And he told me, but those were my retro games. Ah, yeah, and it's nostalgia, for, yeah, it's nostalgia for, for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, I remember that we, we salvaged uh, a couple of hundreds because uh, the games were still in the website. So I just did a little bit of little hacking, very simply just use the yeah. developer tools of, of the browser to download the files and then we used we found a simple uh, flash player to play them offline they'll come and get you they'll come and get you i, I know i i i know there's um there's an application as well who tries to archive all uh adobe flash games uh, from back in the day there's like one uh, application where all those flash games are in so right. that exists as well so and you can play it on pc i used to work for uh, the biggest flash game website in the netherlands so okay <laughs> and and they they downloaded all those swf files from everywhere and put it on their site and that was just common to just spread it around and uh, so you can just download all those svf but do they uh, also play on the archive site or do you that's only, a good question can you only download them that's a good question i i'm not sure if there's a player over there or if or if it's just uh huge zip files with for preservation purposes i haven't checked it hmm. out i just noticed the news but i think this is good in general because it's part of the yeah. history it's just video game preservation it's always good there's a lot of like indie style games back in the day there's a lot of new concepts from flash games so it's really cool to explore that maybe 10 years from now <laughs> just yeah looking uh, into those games as well so yeah good good that they uh, preserve it or try to preserve it yeah yeah <laughs> preserve let's preserve everything 
I think that's it for news. Uh, let's get into emails. Right, before we actually read the only email that we've got <laughs> this time, I think there well, are some corrections. <laughs> yeah, I bet there's none. So we're getting somewhere. There was none for loads of episodes. I think we did. There are some corrections that need to be made from the previous email section yeah. in the previous episode. You, you mentioned the last episode uh, that uh, there was no streaming, or there was a, also an email about, I think, about streaming retro games or streaming. No, I think retro, retro games as a service, I think. Yeah, but uh, uh, then I noticed, I thought, oh, there is a streaming service for that, and that's called Endstream, and they actually also have um, games we play, like uh, the, the the homebrew games on there. So uh, I think Micromages is on there as a big one. And yeah, I've seen a lot of other games as well. And in, uh, if I think... I think they also have like retro achievements in there and challenges, high score challenges and sort of ROM hacks. And there's a lot of cool stuff in there. So uh, I, I never looked very far into it, but it seems like a good idea. And yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I don't, I, when I read that email, I probably didn't interpret it in that way. So I did think a bit more if a single developer wanted to make a bit like EA Pass or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. If they wanted to make something their own, uh, how would that? How would they go about that? So yeah, yeah obviously for streaming, yes, you're right. There was Antstream. <laughs> you already knew. <laughs> I did, but I didn't associate it. I read that email yeah. in a completely different context in my head, yeah, and I went sure. about it completely differently. And and also, uh, you mentioned something about a fishing game or something. Yes, I think uh, one of the one of our listeners did write in an email that they wanted a fishing game. Why did they make any more fishing games? And apparently, one of our listeners, MT, responded back. Well, there is one uh, that um, I, I didn't know about. Yeah, and it's called Fishing Challenge, and it's also by Khan Games, which also made Nescape. I think because they have the same name, but I can't find a lot of relationship with the, these two games, but. I assume they're the same developers as uh, Nescape. Yeah, uh, just one question that just came right at this moment is, is it downloadable slash buyable in... That fishing challenge? Yeah, because I, maybe I, they I can't I can't find it yet, but uh, I assume it's somewhere, but maybe they're not proud of it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe they, they removed it from the web, but nothing really gets gone. It's okay. Maybe you can search that. Diego, you can read the email while Muido has a uh, scan around. Yeah. I can't find it. Where is it? It's on the file. It's on the file. It's on the file. It's there. Part four. Email. That's it. You have it. JB. JB. It says JB. We're terrible at this. Hey. Am I looking at the right yes. document? Oh, okay. So we got um, inquiry from JB asking, are we going to see important names voice actors or famous game creators get involved in new games for all platforms? How about big game producers such as Activision and the likes? All right. What do you think? You start. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big question again. Well, yeah. um, what I know um, <coughs> myself, I played uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition on the NES. And that's actually part of uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition on the, I think the Xbox One. And uh, there's an NES ROM in there. 
and that's called also Pac-Man Championship Edition, and it's maybe the best Pac-Man game I ever played. It's on the NES, and it's it's insanely good. <laughs> it's, uh, you really should try that out. So I, I actually bought that Championship Edition just to play that NES game. So Namco obviously went into making retro games. That's uh, awesome. I didn't get didn't know that. So did did Namco make that NES version, or did it purchase it from someone else who made yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I think there was some kind of ROM hacker or something who made uh, a really fancy ROM hack of Pac-Man, the original NES game. I think they. Gave him money to make it even better or something. I I don't know the exact history of it anymore, but they didn't make it themselves. But they obviously published the game on. I th- I think it was Xbox, but I don't know for sure anymore. But you really should check it out. It's it's really really a great game. And another game I directly thought of was Gigi Aleste Three. So that's uh, the the Game Gear Elastic game. It's a shoot 'em up. I think I know the Mega Drive version. Is that right? The, yeah, the that, that also has a uh, Mega Drive version, but there's also two Game Gear versions. And um, like two or three years ago, they uh, Sega released those Game Gear Micros. They're really tiny, and it's a Japanese ex- exclusive um, Game Gear, yeah, really small toy, but you can play games on there. And they also made a special edition of that with the with two uh, the two Alaska games and also GG Alaska Three, which is a new game. So they actually, you know, where there's money, it seems that they. <laughs> so yeah, but they jumped through. It's so uh, obscure, and uh, what I know is also they released it on Switch. So the Game Gear Alaska Three, but. I dove further into that, and actually, it's not a Game Gear game. Right. So they never extracted that ROM from that uh, mini Game Gear. It's probably just only running on that Game Gear and on the Switch and not on real hardware. So it looks like it's a Game Gear game, but... But it's not, really. It's probably not. But they like to explore retro games, so... It seems like they're interested in stuff like that. So, and when there's a market for it, then they probably will supply it. <laughs> but is there a market for it? That's the, that's the question. I think that's a big question, isn't it? The problem is, I think the hardware isn't available anymore. So, if you want to sell an NES game, people don't have the NES anymore. So, yeah, it's a hard sell, I guess. I think you're right. The hardware is not available anymore. I mean, they have made the mini. If they could make a loading mechanism on the minis or, you know, the smaller versions of these new consoles, then maybe maybe there could be a plan to release something like this. But in, in some respect, Evercade does... does something. I know Evercade is not really one of the big players in that respect. It's not Activision. It's not a big producer, but they do get the licenses for the games and put them on, but probably that's a completely different ball. Yeah, but also, for for example, on the new uh, Mega Drive minis, there's also new games on there which weren't published uh, before. So Mm. they are making new games for it. They could also, for example, you have on the Switch, you have the NES application if you have Switch Online. Ah, yes. uh, yes, Nintendo could theoretically say, okay, we put a new game in there just for everybody who has that service to play. So there could be a market, but is it big enough for to make any money out of it? 
Yeah, that's a good point. So th that is probably answers the other question of retro gaming as a service. So maybe you could pay a certain amount of money to, I don't know, Nintendo, and then they would put new games into that, maybe that console, that virtual console thing on the Switch. That could be an idea. But how about voice actors or famous game creators? Like, uh, will they be involved? I don't know. If Probably not, I guess, unless they do it for fun. Yeah. And they're retired. Yeah, as, uh, like the guy of um, who made Celeste, or is the guy? I think no, it's a it's a girl, I guess. But yeah, the person who made uh, who made Celeste also uh, made Pico Eight version, and maybe they could convert it to uh, other platform as well. Uh, I think it also released on uh, GBA, but not officially. But in theory like big indie developers could make like retro style systems which run in an, in an NES emulator, for example. Why not? Yeah. But that's more, I think, for fun than for profit. For example, like uh, Alwa's Awakening, that was originally a Steam game and also on Switch. It also has an NES version now. So they re remade the game on NES. So it was, yeah, that's pretty fun. <laughs> but. Does it make them any money? I don't know. When you're talking about all these things, it does make me, it does give me the impression that it uh, actually things are picking up even for the retro hardware for some for some bizarre reason in my head. I think, yeah, everyone's slowly gaining more and more interest back in these old machines, even the bigger game companies. Maybe, I don't know, people converting games. Yeah, but we are really in that rabbit hole. <laughs> We're really like a small niche. We're doing this and probably there's, I wonder how many people are out there who are actually interested in this stuff. Yeah, I don't know, but there's plenty of people our age and, and other people who are younger that have still experienced their dads maybe playing this. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a really good question. It would be really nice to understand yeah. what the market is really. But, but games like Shovel Knight or, or or something like that is also a retro-styled platformer. Uh, and it's yeah, yeah. really popular. Yeah, I like yeah. mainly those kind of games, in fact. <laughs> the ones that on Steam that I got, they're all pixel graphics. Yeah, but that's why we are making this show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, it's time to wrap it up now. And don't forget the promo code for Megacat Studios. And uh, you'll find that on the website when this show airs and the final closing notes are for Diego all right so please contact us if you have any questions or if you have suggestions about games that we should check out on your behalf you can write us an email at game at newgameoldflame.com or you can join our discord channel once again going to our website www.newgameoldflame.com and if you don't want to join our discord channel but still reach us out from there you can also do it from the wonderful discord of the retro asylum podcast as we have a tiny room thanks to their kindness also in their own discord and don't forget twitter we are on twitter now so you can follow us there yeah right okay uh that's it then good night everyone and diego go for the rest because i see your, your eyes are dropping out yep. so thank you <laughs> have, a, have a good night and uh we do see you soon and we'll talk again very shortly 
Have a good one, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.